Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> More than you know. You know, I, um, and hear me out. This is not like some sort of braggadocious statement or anything like that. I want just, I just want to give you context. Um, you know, I, you know, I preached at huge stadiums and done the TV stuff, been doing that all, all year. And here's what I want to say is coming here is my favorite place. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking, and I know we're not supposed to compare, but I'm going to. I'm going to just bend that. And it is my favorite place for a whole lot of reasons. But, um, and so I just want to uh, extend my, my deep thanks and love to, I'll call you uh, Apostle Brad and First Lady Lisa. That's how we would say it back home, <laughs> you know, and to your wonderful team and everybody. Um, and um, just uh, for, for being a, a very unusual um, gem and treasure in the earth. Amen? Amen. So we just, um, I just want to extend that. So typically what happens right now is I'm so saturated with the anointing, I have to kind of get my bearings. And like he's trying to take this picture, and that's, you know, <laughs> won't be distracted here. <laughs> trying to get my bearings here and really ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do because there's a couple things that I know, and I, I definitely have some teaching for you because I'm a, I'm a teacher, you know. I, I believe, like, if we're going to have supernatural experience, it needs, to, it needs to be undergirded with very good teaching so you don't act like a lunatic and be one of those casualties of the supernatural. You know what I'm saying? Because you weren't intended to be a casualty of the supernatural. You're, you're intended to be, you know, um, uh, you know, a leader of that and really forerunners, you know, because I've been to so many different places and you guys just have a very unique thing developed, almost like it was developed in secret. And I know the pattern of God is that, you know, is he does that. He'll develop a message in secret. He'll develop a place in secret. And then all of a sudden, boom, kicks him out into the, the wide open spaces and puts a megaphone in front of them. And that's just how it works. So, you know, um, just kind of plan on just being more and more known and um, uh, looking more and more uh, like a go-to place, you know, just kind of plan on that. And so... Um, uh, you know, with that in mind, that means, um, you know, and I realize there's people that are here from out of the area as well, but you're here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? If you took the time to come all the way from where you've come, where, where is uh, everybody from? How many, are you, how many of you are from, like, this area? Just raise your hand. Very good. Awesome. How many of you are from Australia in general, but not, not, but not from the hand that just raised their hand? Okay. All right. Um, how many of you are from outside of this country? Right on. Where are you from? What? Where's that? It's an island. Okay. And there was somebody over here. Was there somebody over here that raised your hand? No? Okay. So you get the award, the award for the farthest distance. <laughs> All right. So, so then... You know, with that said, um, we really want to put on a mind like, yes, I'm going to have tremendous experiences with God. I'm, I'm here because I'm hungry. I'm here um, because I want to encounter the Lord. I want to encounter his word. There's something that I want. And God meets you at your place of hunger. He really does. And so I always, I always champion people who actually travel you know, to actually go somewhere where they believe the anointing is going to be released. Uh, because that's just how the Lord works. You know, I believe in traveling to places, long distances, if you have to, to get 
the anointing of God and that the Lord will meet you in that. But with that in mind, what you want to do is you want to think, okay, I need to also get grounded. I need to get solid. I need to do what I have to do to get whole um, so that I can make uh, an excellent presentation and be that true ambassador in the earth, okay? And so, um, so we will have good teaching. Um, you know, we'll, we will put the, the, uh, the groundwork in and then um, plan on having um, a real journey with the Holy Spirit. You know, because I absolutely know he's birthing a new thing. I absolutely know. I know that sounds cliche. I'm not here to give you cliches. He's absolutely birthing a new thing. Absolutely. So be, be ready for that. Keep your heart open. Keep your heart wide for um, uh, whatever new thing he is going to be um, releasing and seeding into your life. Amen? Okay. Um, I want to just really quickly call out one group of people for ministry. Um, if you are Asian, I want you to stand up. If you're Asian, like I've met some people from Japan and, you know, if you're Asian, yeah. Yeah. If you're Asian, stand up. Now, it's strange that I would call out just the Asians, okay? So nobody get jealous or, you know, we'd have a race riot back home. I mean, you know, so I'm from California. We just fight racially. That's what we do. But, um, uh, but um, the reason I want to call you out, and I'm not going to give the whole bloody story, but um, I have a, my biological father was from Hollywood, so I had a Hollywood dad. And um, so he was just, you know, total mess. And so um, uh, what was interesting is that he, even though he died in his sin and, you know, just completely died in his sin, didn't never serve the Lord, he had a love for the Orient, like incredible love for the Orient, especially their women. And so, you know, so anyway, um, so anyway, it, you know, long story short, um, there was a prophet in the States, and uh, one time he called me out, like, from the front row. It was just really crazy because I was having a really rough moment. And he called me out from the, the front row, and he, he just says, um, you know, the Lord's saying X, Y, Z, and I keep seeing Asian people. I keep seeing the Orient. I keep seeing Japan, China, you know, being to call out all these Asian nations. And he says, he says, and the ministry that was on your father is now coming on you. Now, understand this. He died in his sin, but he loved the Orient. It was an unrealized ministry. And so that was a restoration of a generational blessing, you know, in a very unusual, strange way. And, and ever since then, I've been ministering in Asian countries. And, like, weird doors open for me. It's just really weird. Like, I've been in China. Uh, we've ministered in public schools, you know, which you know you don't, you don't do that. But we've had those open doors. And so here's the reason I, want, I just wrote it down because I felt the Holy Spirit was breathing on that, is I want to minister to you specifically. I want to lay hands on you because I believe the Lord is anointing you to actually take some leadership in ministry and actually um, uh, bring his fire. What I see is the fire of God upon you, uh, coming upon you, and um, you uh, literally ministering out of that fire fire. Amen. So if it's okay, I know we're not supposed to bring people to the front, but it's a small group. So can it, would you come to the front? And, and I, I'm actually going to lay hands on you. So, and, and you, you just, the Lord's, the Holy Spirit's going to touch you. There's really, I am a mess right now. Hang on. Um, so 
He really is going to touch you, so prepare to receive from the Holy Spirit. So if you just kind of make a straight line, that way it'll be a little bit more orderly for me. And I could just go down that line. I will lay hands on you, but the Holy Spirit is going to touch you, okay? So let's just look to him. So um, you don't have to leave if you don't want to, um, but if, if you want to go back we'll, we'll go ahead and move on but don't feel if you're on the ground don't rush it okay so let's just give the lord praise right now let's just look to him so um, uh, it's okay all right we'll just bring it back okay so <clears throat> thanks so much appreciate it hey water. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take the cat. Just take it. All right. So um, really what I wanted to focus on, and um, you have to excuse me. I'm just under a tremendous anointing right now, so we'll just work this out, okay? Um, I really want to focus on um, the seer anointing, specifically visions and dreams, this weekend and actually put some teaching into you so that you can really excel in something that we've been gifted with if you have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus, you know, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have been packaged with the capacity for visions and dreams, okay? It's really there. And a lot of people are having visions. Um, We'll just talk about visions right now. A lot of people are having visions. You just don't know you're having them. You haven't, your, your eye hasn't been trained to capture them, or you just didn't realize that's what it was. And so I'm hoping to, you know, um, bring that to you and then also push, push out from there. But before we even go uh, with that, I may have said this last year. How many were here last year? Very good. Okay. How many were not here last year? Half and half. Okay. Or were you cheating? One raise up, up one arm and messing with me. Okay. And so, um, and so, one, uh, I probably said this last year, so if I'm repeating it, you know, I just, I always like to go over this. Um, but, but going back to the Old Testament, there was a scene where um, uh, Moses was counseled by his father-in-law, Jethro, to get some help, right? Because he was doing all the work himself. And so he's counseled by his father-in-law, Jethro. I believe it's because um, uh, his wife, Zipporah, complained to her dad, and I think that's what happened. But anyway, that's my personal opinion. Um, but anyway, he counseled him and he said, you know, and basically the instruction, you know, between Moses and the Lord and everybody was, was that he needed to gather 70 elders, 70 leaders, and the, the anointing that was upon him would actually come upon these 70 leaders um, so that they could actually minister just like him. Okay. And so doesn't that tell you that you can't lead unless you have the anointing of God? right? You can't lead unless you have the anointing of God, right? And so, so basically, um, you know, Moses sent out a mass text and he said, you know, the 70 gathered the 70 and come to this, this meeting and the Lord's going to anoint you. Well, 68 uh, persons made it. And then two, they, you know, they didn't get their text, you know, or they didn't get their email or whatever. And so the two were, what were their names? Medad and, and Eldad. Everybody say Medad, Eldad. Okay, you know, that's a strange name. But those are the two, the two guys that didn't make it to that anointing service. And either way, when the anointing fell, um, there was a manifestation. Who could tell me what that manifestation was? They prophesied, right? 
They prophesied. So you had 68 people in this gathering, much like yourself here. You know, all of a sudden the anointing hits and all of a sudden, boom, they begin to prophesy just, you know, spontaneously. Well, guess who also prophesied even though they didn't make it to the meeting? Me, dad, and Eldad, right? And so Joshua, who was just so, um, he was so concerned for Moses' honor, all right? I mean, his heart was right, you know, but he was so, he was so um, uh, concerned about his honor that he began to, you know, to criticize Medad and Eldad for prophesying, and that's because they didn't make it to the meeting. You know, they didn't obey the rule, and so because they didn't obey the rule book, the playbook, they shouldn't be prophesying, shut them down, keep them quiet. You know what I'm saying? And that was basically Joshua's take, and his whole heart was, I need to, I need to protect and preserve Moses' honor. And so what did Moses say? Moses says, I wish everybody was a prophet. Everybody. And I think there's something that, that we need to take away from that. Is, that. is that, you know, doesn't the Lord want everybody to prophesy? Why is that? Because you're speaking for him. Okay? Uh, you know, uh, whether that is through the, you know, just, just hearing the word of God or if it's out of a vision, out of a dream. He wants everybody to prophesy. It goes back to... to to his nature. His nature is the word, right? He's the word. So by his very nature, he is always communicating. I was reading this book and this guy said this. He says that God is dialogical. He's dialogical. He wants to dialogue, okay? And that all creation begins with a conversation because all creation began with the word. Isn't that powerful? That's a powerful thought, isn't it? And so, so taking, you know, the, our takeaway then is when we begin to read these concepts, you know, in, you know, we, we see the day prophesied in the book of Joel. We, we see the day prophesied. Then we see it come to fruition in Acts chapter 2, right? As soon as the Holy Spirit fell upon, you know, the, the believers in the upper room. And guess what happened? Is that the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And what happened? They began to prophesy, okay, and some other stuff as well. We begin to speak in other tongues, and then uh, this, it was such a spectacle that the, the, uh, the gathered nations, you know, they were, they were um, you know, hearing the praises of God in their own language by people who don't know their language, and they knew it. And, you know, of course, there's always those crazy accusations, well, they must be drunk, they must be this, they must be that, all right? So you will always be accused, okay? When you, when you are, you know, giving utterance for the Lord, vision, dream, whatever, okay? There will be that little voice of accusation. If it happened, then it'll happen now. But you cannot, you cannot um, uh, submit to the voice of accusation. You need to submit to the Spirit of God. Really get that into your heart. We say it's very easy in a gathering like this to say, amen, amen, you know, until criticism hits. And so then we have to learn that I serve one, God. I don't serve the voice of the critic. I don't dial down because of the voice of the critic. Okay, now, granted, you might need some skill in how you say it. There might be some of those niceties that you need to learn. But still, we have to get it down that just because I'm criticized doesn't mean I shut down. I don't shut down for the critic because I am speaking for God himself. I, I am in the flow of, what, of who he is and what he is doing. And he is prophesying. And so we see Peter get up. Remember Peter? He was like the, you know, he was, we always make fun of Peter because he, he, he did all the things we would have done if we were there. And so, so we make fun of him. Ha ha, Peter, you know, and, and well, you would have done it too probably, you know. Um, 
But Peter gets up and he, he preaches the first sermon and he grabs that prophecy from Joel and he repeats it in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Many of you know this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And so we begin to see the assertion of prophetic utterance, visions, and dreams because we have been, you know, we have received the spirit of God. And so it's really not normal to not be a person that hears the voice of God and speaks, you know, speaks out of that. It's really not normal. What's normal is to be a person that really, you know, flows in that prophetic unction, flows in those visions, flows in those dreams, and that can be very natural. It can be very much in the course of your day. Um, it could be on the job. I used to tell my boss things that were going to happen because I had a dream about it. This is when I used to work secular, um, you know, corporate, you know, in, in the uh, corporate secular jobs that I used to work. And I would get visions and dreams then, and I would communicate them, and they were received. You know, especially when you can give, like, names and, and specific activities, and this is going to happen, and this is what the Lord is saying. Okay, they eat it up. People eat it up. Um, you know, so, so, you know, this is not normal. And we want to go back to Moses. I wish everybody was a prophet. I wish everybody was a prophet. Everybody knew how to speak for the Lord. Um, and so what we want to do is we really want to focus um, uh, this weekend on the whole visions and dreams. We're going to focus on the seer anointing, the seer aspects of it. I thought, I thought that would be um, probably a really excellent fit um, for, for all of you over here. You know what I'm saying? And so I thought this would be, this would be, this would be easy for you um, to really uh, step into. And so um, I want to preface it all with this, is you were made to hear God accurately. You really were. You were made to hear God accurately. We get so afraid that we're going to miss it. We get so afraid um, that we're going to blow it. And, you know, God's going to stop speaking to us because we, we made a mistake. You know, this is a, the beauty of having church environments that just allow you to make mistakes. As long as you're teachable, as long as you're correctable, you know what I'm saying? As long as there's that kind of mentality, that humility, um, you know, it's wonderful to have these kind of environments or to, to have a group of like-minded people. Let's say you're in a church that they're not quite ready for that yet. You can gather in these small groups and you can really keep each other accountable on that in that sense. But, but the, um, the whole thing is really learning that that I am made to hear God accurately and really checking yourself whenever that doubt comes into your mind that, hmm, I wonder if I heard God or not. Hmm, I'm not sure. Hmm, I wonder. Hmm, I'm not. That, hmm, don't, don't say you're going to make a mistake. And really learning to take that voice and, and throwing that thing down and say, I am made to hear God accurately. Here we go. And being teachable, you know, uh, at the same time. And so where I have learned to really hear his voice, this is where I really learned to hear his voice, and I was always wired spiritually. I think most people are. It's usually somebody educates you out of it or you get scared, you have an experience, maybe pre-Christian, some sort of pre-Christian experience that just scares you. Um, and a lot of people begin to shut that side of them down. But most people, you know, they, they've, they are connected spiritually, you know, even from, you know, how, how many of you are having spiritual experiences even as like a young kid? 
Yeah, this is very normal, okay? Um, and, and how many of you felt like it started to get shut down as you got older? Yeah, is that that's a typical pattern. So we want to keep that awake. We want to keep that open. Um, and so one of the things that, that I have learned um, really how to hear his voice is really in the place of intimacy, really, you know, in that place of prayer. Um, I don't know if you have this problem here, but where I come from, there's kind of this mentality that, that we have so much grace, I don't need to pray. <laughs> and I'm like, how can you hear the voice of God if you're not with God? How can you hear the voice of the Spirit if you're not with the Holy Spirit? And it really comes from that place of intimacy and that place of dialogue. And, and so um, uh, I've seen some of you look at things around the room. Now, back home, I'm used to that because we have so many seers. I know they're seeing angels and, and different things. So, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know you all. So I'm looking at, what are you seeing? So, you know, um, I have some that the, they'll sit there and they'll just zone out, you know, and I know that they're in a vision or something like that. So I might chat with you later with some of you and say, okay, what's going on when I saw you do that? Um, all right. So, so it really comes out of that place of, intimacy, deep intimacy. And that's probably the first thing you want to cultivate if you're going to truly be that prophetic person is to cultivate that deep intimacy with God. Uh, So that means I have time with him every single day. Okay. Not a day goes by that I don't spend time with him. He's, he's the first thing he's, he's, you know, prayer is the first thing that I do. It's not the last thing. It's the first thing I do. And I remind myself of that many times, is that, let's say I'm busy. You know, I, I have a life just like many of you. I have a husband. I have uh, children. Um, you know, I, I write books. You know, I pastor. I have teams, all that kind of stuff. In the busyness, the first thing I do is pray. The first thing. I'll let other things go. The first thing I do is pray. Moms, I'll let the laundry go. It's horrible. The first thing I do is pray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll look by that dirty sink of dishes. I'll be like, mm, the first thing I do is pray. You know, because, you know, it just, it just irks you when it's out of order. You know what I mean? And, um, but I remind myself because I'm very busy. And I, I, I choose to give him my time because he'll multiply my time back to me. The other thing is he'll give me a word, um, Matthew chapter 6, um, the Lord's Prayer, and he, t- he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, and a lot of us look at that as provision, right, which is true, but have you ever thought of it as give us this day our daily word, which yields provision? So then we live out of his word and we stop wasting time. And so that prophetic word, that vision, that dream, you know, his voice comes out of that place of intimacy. So, so if there's anything we want to cultivate is we want to cultivate that place. I know we're going to be activating for visions, activating for dreams. We're going to be doing all that stuff. We've been talking to you about, you know, symbols and what things mean and what, what, what's happening to you when such and such happens. And that's great. And you're going to get this bedrock, you know, this, this, um, you know, this, this layer of knowledge. But none of that's going to really work for you if we don't have that foundation of intimacy with God. Okay, so prayer is the first thing. It's the first thing. So um, I have so much material here. We will never get through all this. 
So let's just kind of hit on visions, okay? Let's hit on visions. A lot of you are having visions. You don't know you're having them. Because visions are, they can be internal. They can be external. Um, they can be just thoughts and fleeting thoughts that go, or fleeting pictures that go through your imagination. And you don't even realize that you just had a vision from God. You know, so they can be from the very minute to the very spectacular. It's all in the realm of visions. And what happens is God gives us visions, um, you know, from time to time to communicate to us what he wants us to see. There are a lot of things that you will not understand. You won't understand God's word, what he's saying, unless you see it. You know, Hearing it is completely valid. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. They just have different functions. And so seeing his word, you know, what, what is it, Habakkuk 2, he says, I, I, will, um, I will look to see what he will say to me. Remember, Habakkuk was frustrated, and so he wanted to get a word from God. He says, so, what, so how did he dialogue through that? How did he communicate that? I will look to see what God will say to me. In other words, he was looking for the picture. He's looking for the picture, you know, and then he says, I will write it down. Okay, so what do we learn from that? That I have to set myself to see the picture. And the reason we want to be open to that is because there's some things that we cannot understand unless we see it in picture form. Think of it in the natural as a blind, if you were um, trying to tell a blind person what the color red is, it's impossible, right? You, he, they actually have to see the color red, in order to understand the color red. So many things in the spiritual realm, if you don't see it, you won't understand it. You have to see it, okay? Um, and so that, you know, so, so I will look to see. So I'm going to set myself to see what God will say to me. Now, so what, so what, does, that, what does that imply? So that implies that the, eyes, that the eyes of my heart, you know, basically that, that's what needs to, we need to concentrate on is the eyes of my heart being open to God. And there's prayers in the, um, in, in the uh, where is it, Ephesians, where the Apostle Paul prays, you know, that the eyes of the heart would be enlightened, flooded with light so that you can see. Okay, and this is pretty much the whole message of this church, you know, you know get, get your heart whole and, and get healed. And when that happens, you can see God. <laughs> you know, so people who really excel in visions many times is because their heart's been really opened. You know, it's, it's a really amazing connection versus a heart that's really hard or, real, a hard, uh, or really shut down, okay? Um, and so he will give us these visions, and, and you are going to see things in vision form. You will see things in the spiritual realm. Some things will be plain. Some things will be a little bit harder to understand. They'll be very symbolic. Um, I have found that visions are actually easier to to interpret than dreams are. That's a whole different ball game. I have found is that visions are are a little bit more a um, little bit more linear, you know, for the most part. Um, but then there are those those occasions where they're just really outstanding and full of metaphors, and they leave you shaking and quaking. You have no idea what you just saw, right? <laughs> right? Okay. Um, It doesn't always make sense, his voice. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with chasing after um, uh, the interpretation 
of what he just showed to us. This was years ago. Um, my husband received a, an email from a man in our city. We hardly know. We hardly know this guy. And he wrote to explain to my husband. He says, you know, I've been having visions of horses, um, and, and I need to speak to you. And then he says he knows that the vision of the horses and whatever it is he felt, you know, it meant. He knew it was true because, drum roll, drum roll, he saw a stork. Now, okay, now, now you think about this. He, he knew the vision was true because he saw a stork. Okay, does any of that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense at all. But to him, it made perfect sense. And to a lot of people who have visions like this, these kind of concepts, they make perfect sense to them. And they think everybody is tracking with them, and nobody is tracking with them, okay? And so, uh, and so then, um, so my husband and I just kind of laughed at it, because what didn't help the guys, he had a really checkered history, you know, just, we hardly knew him, but we knew his, we knew his, um, uh, you know, some of his stuff, because we're in a small city, everybody knows about each other, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, we had, a, we had a laugh about it, um, and it, the, the explanation, you know, I, I saw the vision of the horses, I got confirmed by a stork, and I needed to talk to, you know, Ronnie Vaz right away. Um, to my husband's linear mind, he was like, absolutely not. You know, this is psycho crazy and everything. It's like he could not connect the dots. The only saving grace this man had was that I, too, was having visions of horses. I just didn't understand why. You know, and I just, I thought that that's incredible. I'm having these overwhelming visions of horses, but I don't know why. Okay, so it was like kind of this this confirmation got slipped in by, you know, a person that, you know, we wouldn't normally necessarily trust. But, you know, the Lord will speak through a donkey. He'll speak through anybody. Right. And so, um, so anyway, and then late, not not too much farther out, uh, another more well-known prophet. Um, I got I got this prophetic word to my inbox and it was about horses having a vision of horses, but this time he named the country that I had my eyes on to actually bring the gospel to. It was a closed country. Um, it was a Muslim country. And I had my eyes on this country. I was looking for ways, praying to the Lord about, about how do we get the gospel into this, this country. Um, you know, and then um, uh, he had the vision of the horses. It actually ha- happened to be a horse that was very well known in that particular country. And then, so finally, all the dots finally connected. All the dots finally connected. Now, here's the strangeness of the prophetic. Here's the strangeness. So I was concentrating in this certain uh, block of countries. You know, I was in one of these countries in this block, okay? And I had my eye on this other one where there's visions of the horses and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had my eye on it. Then all of a sudden, the, um, the prophetic word about the Orient came, and it shifted everything. And so I had to drop all the other ones. <laughs> And pick up the other one. It's so strange to me that God does things like that. You know what I'm saying? Because I could have got stuck on the other thing, but this this other word came, and it just seemed like to to knock out the other stuff that he said. Kind of like, never mind, put that on hold. This one's one we're doing right now. Okay? And the next thing you know, you're in China. (laughs) You know what I mean? All right. Um, So we we just... Roll with it. We just blow, you know, go where the Holy Spirit is, uh, where he is um, uh, blowing, I guess. Okay. So, and so the way 
visions really got kick-started in my life. I was always kind of, you know, connected to the spiritual realm. I was always, you know, in tune with the spiritual realm. It was very negative up until the time I gave my life to Christ. And then I just went into this wonderful honeymoon. Um, you know, it was just beautiful. Um, just falling in love with Jesus, love his word. Um, had no problems in life. My whole life was perfect for about a solid year, you know, in Christ. Um, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, like you get saved and everything just awesome and you love everything everybody. You hate nobody. And, you know, it's just wonderful. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, uh, my past caught up with me because I had a lot of occultism. I was grew up in the Mormon church, but I had stuff layered on top of that. And I found out that when you have covenants with occultism, it's like you signed a contract with them and eventually they come back and they want, you know, they want payment. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, a lot of times when we give our life to Jesus, we're taught to repent of our sins, which is valid. You know, it's not, I'm not saying it's invalid at all. It's, you know, really from the heart, Jesus, you know, you say that prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sins. You know, I surrender, you know, my whole life to you. Um, totally valid. But I've learned since then that many times you have to go back and repent of specific sins. Okay. And when we miss that piece of it, then we have some work to do later because then um, we have some, some um, points of bondage that have to be dealt with. And so I actually ran into a, just a huge need for deliverance from occultism about a year into my Christianity. And so I ended up getting delivered from a spirit of sorcery, and it was quite severe. It was quite uh, serious. I'm not sure if it had to be that way, but that's, that's the way it went down. Um, after I, uh, I was delivered from a, the spirit of sorcery, um, I actually received a gift from the Holy Spirit, and they would call the gift of discerning of spirits. And that's really Hebrews 5.14, with the mature will discern good and evil through their senses, through practice. Okay, so that's your eyes, your ears, your taste buds, you know, what you feel, what you sense, what you, your emotions are. The Holy Spirit will actually speak to you through your emotions. He'll speak to you through your sense of taste. You know, it's a very different way of hearing God, but it's, it's completely valid. And it's, this, is, this phenomenon is growing in the body of Christ. We're learning to hear, the, hear God uh, dimensionally now, not just in one way. You know what I'm saying? And so with that package came visions, of course, because if your eyes are open to see, then you begin having visions. And I started having, you know, uh, visions and just seeing things, not only seeing things, but feeling things, sensing things. Um, but the whole thing about visions really became very strong in my, in my life. And so what the Holy Spirit began to do is begin to take me through like, I guess a training, you know, he became my teacher because nobody was really flowing in the things that I was flowing with. I was pretty much out on my own. And he began to say these things to me. He would say, what do you see? Real simple, right? Now, we know that's in the Bible because we read about it in, like, Amos and, and um, some of these other books. And, and so he say, what do you see, which I didn't know was in the Bible. I was just hearing the Holy Spirit. That's, you know, a lot of times, you know, those of you who are serious, how many say that, like, you're, you see a lot of things, right? And you have these experiences, and a lot of times we have to go to the Word and figure it out afterward, right? Um, and so that pretty much my, all of my story, my whole life. And so he would say, what do you see? And I had no idea it was in the Bible, but it was totally in the Bible. It's totally biblical. God will ask you that question. What do you see? He wasn't saying, like, what do you see physically? He was saying, what do you see spiritually? What do you see? Like, he would highlight a person. Let's say it was you. He would highlight a person and say, you know, what do you see about that person? Just me and a personal private dialogue with, with 
the Holy Spirit. It wasn't anything I would even say, you know, initially. And then he would ask, and I would tell him, I said, I see this. It would be something, you know, that was imperceptible to the natural eye, you know. And so then, then he would say, well, what do you know? And then I had to really draw out of the well of my heart like what he was really speaking about that person. And we went through that drill over and over and over again for years. You know, and then I began to find out that I actually knew things about people that, you know, was making them uncomfortable, made me uncomfortable. You, you know what I'm saying? Because people love prophetic people until they get a little too close to the sweet spot. <sighs> you know, they love the fluffy, puffy blessing words. But, you know, when it starts to skirt that edge inside of you, (laughs) you know. Um, All right. And that was pretty much what what was happening with me. You know, I was just like getting a little too close to those those edges. Um, And so he began to to teach me that way, um, you know, about about how to, to see and how to prophesy out of that vision. How to prophesy out of what you what what I just you know saw spiritually, okay? And so let me let me make it a little bit more palatable and a little bit more easy to connect to for you right now. How many of you have ever driven by somebody on the street who looked like they were really poor? You've driven by them, and you had a like this movie play in your head, like, I should go. And you see yourself going to the store and getting them a sandwich or, you know, bucket of fried chicken back home. We do that, you know. Um, And you see yourself doing something really kind for them. And then we just drive on by because that was a nice thought. (laughs) You know, I didn't have any emotion on that thought, but I had a movie play in my head. Did you know you just had an instruction from God? Because he'll speak to you in pictures. He'll speak to you in pictures. And a lot of times we dismiss it because there's no emotion on it. I didn't feel anything. Not realizing that I've got to snapshot that. I've got to to train my eye to actually capture that, that little movie. And then I need to act on it. Because it's one thing to get a vision. It's a whole other thing to act on it. That's stewardship. Many of us, we love the ideas of the big, grandiose visions, being the seer, the seer prophet, and all that, and we, we don't know how to steward that little seed, you know? Or we don't, like Habakkuk, we don't even write it down. You know what I mean? And, and, so, um, and, and so I want you to begin to just kind of think through this right now, because probably, probably all this stuff is going off in your head right now about, wow, I have pictures going on all the time, you know? Acts of kindness, um, uh, you know. Sometimes it's just you see yourself just just uplifting somebody. You have a little movie, and you just uplift, you know, you just going up to somebody random, just encouraging them. And we think, well, that's not the big thing, you know. That's not the big grandiose, you know, get written written up in charisma um, thing. And we we invalidate it, not recognizing that the Lord is is really speaking to you. And I believe that he's really calling for stewardship. Now that you can, you've got an identifier, I believe he's calling for stewardship of that. And as you begin to steward that, what's interesting is your eye begins to become trained. That inner eye, flood, my, flood the eyes of my heart with light. It becomes, it becomes trained. 
And he began to capture these visions even better, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably an unusual case where just like everything just kind of exploded open. And I had a different kind of stewardship. I had to learn to not be insane with what was going on with me. It's just a different kind of stewardship, you know. Um, I had to learn to really manage something that was very overpowering. But in learning all those things, I've learned that so many of us, we want... We want to be the voice of God to this generation. We want to be the voice of God uh, to this nation. And we have to start with a small seed. And everything really is predicated on being faithful with the little thing. Because when you are faithful over the little thing, what happens to you? He becomes your ruler over much. Okay, so don't dismiss that little picture that, that just, you know, flew into your head. Um, where you're just simply being, you know, kind to somebody. You're just dropping them a scripture, you know. Um, I think a lot of people, I don't know, back home, you know, we can pretty much tell anybody, even, you know, atheists, a scripture, you know, and they, they actually, you know, appreciate if it's encouraging. You know, don't tell them they're going to hell. You know, I mean, that's a conversation we have in relationship, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, and so, so we want to begin to really go to that smaller space right now and actually steward it, actually steward that. And then it does become bigger, and it does become more interesting. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a, um, I was in the, what store was I in? It's not Walmart, but it's like the companion store in America. Um, uh, They call it Target, so there's Target and Walmart. Do you have Target here? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, all right. Do you have Walmart here? No, so that's just an American thing, right? Everybody look at, you know, People Walmart? You ever look at that on the website? Huh? Okay. All right. Well, it's really true. I mean, <laughs> so, um, all right. So I was standing in Target, and I realized I was in a vision. So the visions, they're different categories. So I just told you the most simplistic one where, you know, you have a picture in your head, or there'll be a movie that plays in your head, and it kind of, like, comes out of nowhere, um, but, you know, it, it has the attributes of God on it, okay? Um, so then it extends from there where it can become external. And even though sometimes we don't even recognize we're in a vision and it's external, I almost didn't catch this one. So I'm standing in the Target store, and I, I'm in the, in the line, and I, and I look ahead, and there's this girl that I know from our church, only she looked very different than what she normally looks like. Um, uh, she, you know, uh, her real look was that she had very long, dark hair. Um, but I saw her ahead of me, and she had very short hair. And I thought, that's interesting. And then I saw that she was carrying a second child. She had her first child, and she had a second child. But in reality, she only has one child. And so I caught it. I'm like, because it just was like I was looking at you. You know, it was like there was no emotion. There wasn't like you know, stars or angels or anything like that. I'm just looking at people just like I'm looking at you, and I'm just noticing, like, something's not right about this picture. (laughs) You know, she has one child, she has long hair, and now she has short hair and two kids. I just don't get this. And so I'm looking at her, and I'm I'm like, I'm in a vision right now. Okay, I'm in a vision. Okay, capture this. Catch it. All right. And so I just kind of snapshot it in my mind. So I send a note to her mother, and I, I told her mother, I said, um, uh, her name's Brianna. She won't mind if I use her name. Um, I said, um, Terry, I said, Brianna is um, going to have a second, second child. 
um, I, I, saw, I saw a vision of her in the store today. She's going to have a second child. And um, Terry's saying, she said, oh, okay, thank you. You know, I don't, I don't think she's pregnant, you know, but thank you very much. And I said, no, no, no. I said, she's going to have a second child. You know, I, I saw it today. And, um, um, and so anyway, you know, within a couple months, we find out that she's pregnant, right? So, here, so here's where it gets interesting. She started having crazy complications in this pregnancy, like, you know, just things that really challenged the health of the child. They lost the heartbeat of the child. I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff. She got, like, gestational diabetes. I mean, just really rough stuff was happening in this pregnancy. And I kept bringing them back to the vision. I said, no, no, I saw the second child. I said, I saw, I'm telling you, there's a reason why God showed that to me uh, that way. I said, I saw the second child. They're gonna, you're going to have the second child. And so um, uh, by the time it was all done, she, you know, she had the baby. baby was healthy, no problem, even though they lost the heartbeat for like three days at one point you know, with the pregnancy. I mean, who, that's crazy. Um, and so, so the, uh, you know, the baby was fine. Everything was fine. And I was just laughing. I thought it was great. And then about six months later, of course, she chopped her hair, you know, mommy style. You know, you just can't do your hair anymore when you got two kids. And so, you know, and everything. Um, and so, but learning to capture it, learning to capture it. You know what I'm saying? So, again, to, I almost missed that one because it was too natural. But because I spend time with him in that secret place. See what I'm saying? When, you, when you're really intimate with him, there's this sensitivity that develops in your world. And so I don't trade that secret place for anything. It is the first thing I do. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Benny Ann, for teaching us that. Okay, some of you is good afternoon, Holy Spirit, but, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and so, so really capturing, um, you know, that, that time with him, because when you look into his face, when you look into him, you can see. You know, I mean, revelation begins to open to you when you are looking at him. There's a sight and there's a vision that comes to you like osmosis in a sense, you know, because you're, you're looking at him and you're seeing, you know, I mean, you're seeing the nations, you're seeing his heart, you're seeing all those things. And as you go about your day, Okay, those pictures begin to drop inside of you, or they begin to, or you begin to encounter them in even greater ways. Um, and so we want to go back to that. So, so with that, um, there are some ways that we can access vision. How many are like, like this is like, you know, you're you're saying, okay, this is for me. <laughs> How many are like, okay, I, I really. Yeah, because it's doable. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times we start talking about the prophetic. It's almost given to you in dimensions that are like, I'm like, I can't even grab a hold of that. You know, or I feel like a loser if I'm not, if I'm not having the outstanding, um, grandiose word that gets on the Elijah list. You know what I'm saying? And so, so anyway, and, and forgetting, you know, what Moses said, I wish all of you were a prophet. Okay, and so with that undergirding it, you know, plan on hearing the voice of God and being that voice of God to, you know, your, uh, uh, you know, your sphere of influence and, you know, even, even beyond that. And so we can access visions. I usually give um, four points, and we're not going to work through all of them. We'll just maybe work through one, but I, I usually give this in four points, okay? The way we connect to visions is, number one, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just coming under an outpouring. Back to Acts chapter 2, where he fell, and then Peter proclaimed the promise, right? 
that you're going to have visions, you're going to have dreams, you're going to prophesy. Um, and so, so number one is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number two is the doorway of the word, the written word. Okay, and so if you're going to be a prophetic person, you have to be a person of the written word. I know I'm giving you practicalities, but so many people love the supernatural and they want to they want to skip out on prayer. They want to skip out on the word and they don't even know the word. And and his written word is him. That's the beauty of the written word. That's why. Have you ever had a scripture that you're reading? You've read it a 100 times and all of a sudden it comes off the page and slaps you in the face. Okay, because all of a sudden, the life of that word, you know, is what you needed at that moment. And it became that rhema living word to you in that moment. And it does, it like punches you in the face or slaps you in the face. Um, but the doorway of the word. So uh, the written word, it's him. It's not just words on a page. And did you know you can actually take Bible imagery, you can fix it into your mind and your imagination and then connect to Jesus through that vision? So, yeah, you can really do that. Um, Mark Verkler gives an exercise. I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff. I love his stuff. He gives us an exercise, and he takes the image of the woman at the well, but he, instead of the woman, he kicks her out, and he goes to the well where Jesus is. You know, he just takes the scriptures, and he begins to fix all of that imagery into his heart, and then he begins to actually have a conversation with Jesus. And you can tell if it's real or, real or not. If you ask him a question in that kind, of, you know, that kind of exercise, if you ask him a question, you can tell if it's real or not by what he says back to you because he always says something in a way that you can never make that up. Right? Okay? And um, I actually discovered that whole concept before I even read it by Mark Verkler. I discovered it on accident because I was looking at Psalm 8, and I can't remember what I was struggling with. I, you know, I have a new struggle from day to day, but whatever. That day, I was reading Psalm 8. And, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him, yet he has, yet you have crowned us with glory and honor. And I was just really fixing on that whole thing about, you know, being crowned with glory and honor. I was thinking, I wonder what that is about, you know, I'm, I'm crowned with glory. Not, are you serious? You know, I'm like really getting into this, this whole, I, this whole thought. Um, and then all of a sudden I looked up and I saw Jesus and I'm like, and I realized it was right through the door. I stepped right through the doorway of the word because the door, the word is him. And I could see Jesus in front of me. And I, and I, this is what came out of my mouth. And I said, Oh, I said, you've been there the whole time. <laughs> Because his word is him. His word is him. All right. And, and for pe- those of you that really struggle with visions, because let's say you've had some, I don't know, some really negative things happen in your past. And so anytime you, you really unleash that part of your mind and surrender that part of yourself to the Holy Spirit, it kind of it kind of is troubling to you because you start having memories and different things. If that is your problem, use the doorway of the word, the, the word, because it's, it's like, it feels very grounding to you. And it doesn't feel like your mind's going to go all these different places into these roots that, you know, you really don't want to, you don't want to look at that right now. So use the doorway of the word to really tap into the visions of the Lord. It's, it's a very effective. Um, the third thing, of course, is prayer. Um, and we, Really what happens in the place of prayer, John 5, 19, says, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. All right? So what was happening? Jesus was constantly in prayer. 
He was our example of prayer. If anyone didn't have to pray, it would have been him. Yet prayer was not um, a ritual. It was actually dialogue in a relationship. Okay? And so in the context of prayer, he would say, I only do what I see my father doing. In other words, what was happening is he was getting visions. As he prayed, the pictures would come. The movies would come. He began to see what he was supposed to do that day. And did you notice Jesus never got on the wrong boat? Did you notice that he never wasted time? Like he's super efficient with what he did? Did you notice? That's because he took the time to be with the one who would give him the pictures, the instructions. I only, I only do what I see the Father doing. Like Habakkuk, I look to see what he would say to me. In other words, if I don't get a picture from you, God, I am not moving off of this. All right, a lot of times we're making our own solutions, creating our own pathways, and then we're wasting time. <laughs> so I want to I wanna do... What I see the Father doing, Holy Spirit, come flood my heart with light so that I can see you. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and then the fourth one is by the release of the seer prophets anointing. I'll explain that in just a moment. Okay, so number one was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You get under the outpouring. So this is why I'm saying hungry people will find where the Holy Spirit is being poured out. And they will go there. They will travel. They will take the time off. They will spend the money. They will do it. Hungry people do that. People who are not hungry, it's too inconvenient. I don't have time. You know, I have to pay for it. You know, why do I have to pay for this conference? You know, you know th- that kind of rhetoric, okay? That's not, th- that's not the sound of a hungry person, all right? Hungry people will go where the Holy Spirit is. Okay, outpouring the Holy Spirit. Number two, doorway of the word. Number three, prayer. I only do what I see my father doing. Four, by the release of the seer prophet's anointing. And let me locate my notes for that because I don't want to miss. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> okay. So there are um, different kinds of prophets. You know, I don't know if I'll give you a whole big list or anything. I have found there's so much diversity with prophets. It's crazy. You know, lots of diversity. You know, we have prophetic psalmists, we have prophetic artists, we have marketplace prophets, we have nature prophets, we have seer prophets, we have word prophets, we have, I mean, just, just imagine, and that's because the Lord wants everybody to be a prophet, like he wants prophets in literally every sector of society, see what I'm saying, because somebody, you know, needs to, to hear and speak for him, there is a difference between being a prophet and actually prophesying, totally different thing, Okay, Um, the confusion many times exists. I probably said this to you before, but I always like to go over it is that just because you prophesy and just because you prophesy well doesn't make you a prophet. You know, and I know a lot of prophets who don't prophesy very well. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? So they, too, have to get in training just like you. You know, isn't that interesting? Like, it's just interesting. Yet they carry a governmental anointing in Ephesians um, Chapter 4, is that it? Ephesians, where is it? I'm looking at it in my head. You know, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Where is that scripture? It's the 4, right? Ephesians 4? Okay, all right. Um, and so part of that fivefold 
Um, you know, and they seem to be all spectacular and all popular right now, you know, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, they want, they want to be, be a prophet. I go into some um, cultures, and they call everybody a prophet, you know? And I, I remember, um, oh, this is terrible. I was, we won't say the place. I was standing in a very large place in, in amongst a group of people that I really respect them. I do respect them. Um, but it was very popular to be titled um, prophet, almost like we title people pastors, even if they're not pastors. It's kind of that similar concept. And I remember, you know, again, being a prophet, it just flies out of my mouth, and I hate it when that happens. Um, you know, and it flies out of my mouth, and I, I'm just like, if you're not a prophet, don't try to be one. <laughs> And it's because it sets you up for so much warfare. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, I mean, if, you, if you're not called of God to be a prophet, don't try to be one. It's not this popularity comparison thing. Okay, let prophets be prophets. Let prophetic people be prophetic people. Let apostles be apostles and evangelists and all. Be who you're supposed to be. That's where the anointing is. And a lot of times we get outside of our anointing and we don't have any breakthrough because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, but you're not in your anointing. Okay. Um, so back to prophets. So <laughs> um, just to distinguish it for you, um, everybody can prophesy. If you're a believer in Jesus, you know, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the capacity to prophesy. It's an unction, it's an anointing. You begin it's like it's like the flow of words, the flow of pictures. You know, it's it's not just giving a fluffy blessing to people. Um, it goes past that. It's uh, you know, the the it, it releases life on people. It, there's creative uh, force with with that prophetic unction, okay? All right. So Prophets, on the other hand, they're called of Jesus Christ. It says that in Ephesians 4, that Jesus is the one who calls that team together. So there is going to be some type of encounter. Um, uh, there's only, I, I can only point to like one person, and because this person is such a seer, we'll call it a seer mystic type person, and, um, and he's the only one I know. He, he says, I asked the Lord about what you said. He, said. he said, you said that we have to have an encounter with Jesus uh, to be called as a prophet. I said, yeah, because he's the one who calls you. So, you know. And then he says, well, he told me he encountered me in the womb. And I said, and I, you know, I'm thinking of Jeremiah. And I'm like, there's, the, he's probably the only person I would allow to get away with that. <laughs> so, you know, because just the way the Lord flows through his life, okay? Uh, so I'll throw that out there as a possibility. But there still is going to be some sort of confirmation. You know, it's going to be very crystal clear what you are. Um, and so, uh, uh, so prophets are called of, of Jesus, and so there's going to be some kind of encounter, you know. It can be really humongous, it can be in a dream, it could be, you know, it's always something, like, very memorable. My husband um, is Middle Eastern, and uh, he's from, uh, he was born in Tehran. And so when he was four years old, Jesus visited him. You know, and literally visited him. By the time he got to America, he kept having this compulsive behavior. He would go to his garage, set up the chairs, and preach at them. You know, didn't tell him to be good. That's the only sermon he knew, be good. And so, but he believes that he received his calling as an apostle when he was four years old. You know, as four years old, you don't have the language. You know, you don't quite know. You just know that Jesus is visiting you and as a four-year-old. Um, and then come to America, and then your life begins to reflect that kind of calling. Okay, so there is some sort of encounter. I know for myself, 
you know, I had no interest at all being a prophet. It was not on my radar. Um, I just wanted to be a business person and make a lot of money. That was my goal in life. It was always my goal in life. So, um, and, uh, and so, um, I remember, you know, I became a Christian, loved Jesus, you know, going through ridiculous warfare, loved to pray, loved the anointing, all the kinds of, never cared less about prophets in the Mormon church. Men were prophets, you know, so I was already, um, just kind of convinced that that's a man's job, you know, and so... I was hoping that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> all your ladies getting offended right there when I said that, right? Um, no, I just really thought it was a man's thing. Um, and I, but I didn't care. It wasn't like a competition to me. I'm like, I don't want to be a prophet. Be a prophet. Go for it. You know. Um, and so I found myself in a time of intense worship. I found myself on my back on the floor, and I'm in a vision. You know, again, I had visions. I was having visions, but this is probably one of the bigger ones. And these bigger ones really mess with you. They mess you up. And so I just remember this angel coming with this huge scroll and this looked about 10 feet wide. And, and, there's, and he un- unrolled it, you know, and there's like writing all over the scroll, front and back. And he hands me this pen and he says, sign it, you know, and it's like signing a, like signing a contract, I guess. And, uh, and I'm looking and I knew in the vision what it was about. I knew I was signing away my life to be a prophet to the nations. You know, I knew in the vision what this was. And so and I, I did it, and I handed the angel his pen back, and I said, I signed your contract. And he said, it's not a contract, it's a covenant. And he says, and I'll be back. And then, um, so I got corrected, you know. So I was calling the contract, he says, a covenant. Um, and then, um, and so then I woke up from this vision, and my friend, uh, Denise, from International Church of Las Vegas, and she's um, actually French. She's French-Canadian, so she has a very thick French accent, and she's very, um, we'll just say energetic, like to the extreme. Um, And she's like 65 years old. She's got muscles that'll just put any man to shame. It's just weird, okay? And so so she's standing over, like she's straddling me on the floor, and she's screaming in her French accent. She's like, you are a prophetess to the nations, you know, and she's, she's just screaming this thing out over me, <laughs> and I'm waking up to this, my friend Denise, um, and, uh, and that's where it all began, you know, got a call, it was, it was an encounter, you know, and it was um, wonderful, um, the anointing, I mean, anointing comes on your life and just, you know, I was already struggling with the amount of anointing that he had already entrusted me with, but this just went, you know, supersize it once again. Um, and the warfare that came with that was just unreal. Um, but you know, that's how it goes down, you know? So we don't want to be a prophet or be put into that or have somebody put that in you, like your grandmother, your mother, you know, who begins to declare those things over you because they think it's cool, <laughs> because you prophesied once. You know what I'm saying? You really want to have that encounter. You want to have that encounter. Otherwise, don't go there. It's not worth it. No, if it sets you up for warfare that you don't need to have, you know what I'm saying? And you don't have the anointing to, to handle or to manage. Now, um, Old Testament, um, and I'm going to wrap this up. Um, we see in the Old Testament before they had... Um, there's, there's different sets of prophets, you know, there's different names where I'm not going to go through all of that, but we had, you know, originally the seer prophet that originally is what they were called. Uh, all prophets were called seers. We see that in, uh, first Samuel, 
um, you know, where uh, uh, they went to go see the the seer, and then they distinguished that, you know, uh, they used to call the prophets of old seers, and now there seems to be a new distinguishing where now there's the nabby prophet, when those are the ones who would hear the word of the Lord rather than see the picture of the Lord. So they're beginning to distinguish some differences. Um, and, and so, you know, this is back in, uh, I think it's First Samuel chapter 9. Um, and so this, the seer, I had one of our... Um, our Greek people, you know, uh, in our church, our, uh, one of our uh, school directors, um, she's uh, no longer with us, but she helped, helped me to, like, really research this. And, and she, we started talking about how the, the she's telling me, you know, the seer is an ancient biblical term, and it's how prophets of old used to be referred to. Um, and so basically they would, of course, be able to interpret dreams, interpret visions, but they'd also be able to interpret um, the movements of like nature, they begin to interpret the uh, and read, um, you know, uh, uh, patterns of birds and flight and and heavenly bodies and you know that th- that was all part of that seer function. A lot of that we've lost that, you know, or we've dismissed it and said it that's that's witchcraft. We give a lot of stuff away to the the witch community. I think we need to take it back and sanctify it. You know what I'm saying? We, re- we really need to do that because, you know, I have all sorts of friends who will see the word of the Lord in the clouds. And yet, somehow that's not valid even though he made that cloud. Somehow that's witchcraft. You know, why don't we just grab a hold of the word and test it? It says, test all things and hold fast to what is good. You know, and, and um, you know, it even goes further than that. Patterns in nature. You know, there, it's, there's very, it's a very real thing that people will see certain patterns in nature and God will speak a, according to that, you know, according to that pattern of nature. I had a, an insect follow me forever, a praying mantis. I couldn't figure, it took me, you know, I don't know why I'm so slow sometimes. You know, it took me forever to find out that that meant praying prophet. Mantis in Greek means prophet. And I had that thing follow me all, I would go places to preach on prayer conferences and I'd have a praying mantis fly in you know and then um I wrote my first book the first edition on um uh it's called the intercessor's handbook and I had friends all over the world they would have the book and they would send me a picture of the praying mantis that flew up to wherever they were at when they began to read the book I have I have like at least 75 testimonies like that and that was the first book I mean it continued on from there but it was nature Seer prophets back in ancient days, that was normal. That was really normal. And so, you know, with that said, just keeping it really simple, you know, because this this can go pretty deep, um, is that you can receive the anointing to see, just like everything I've been talking about, by simply having a seer prophet just pray for you. Really, you know, you really can't. You can step in your, the eyes will open. There's an anointing to see. Remember in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha was, you know, in a servant. They were going to be slaughtered by uh, what the, the Syrian army because uh, Elisha could hear what was being said in secret. We, we don't like that either, we, you know, but that's part of the prophetic function. And we, we struggle with that because when we open up the prophetic and everybody's a prophet, then the lights are on. We hear everything, we see everything, and then we've got to steward it so we don't kill everybody. <laughs> no, really, it's an incredible amount of stewardship because now you know the secret. Do you blab it? 
And God, so God, you know, when you were supposed to pray through that and bring a kingdom, a kingdom alignment to whatever it is he showed you. Well, in this case, you know, Elisha was telling the plans of the enemy to the, the king and um, they surrounded him. They found out he was the, the one who was revealing the secrets. And so the army surrounded him to kill him. Um, we call that prophet problems. Um, but um, anyway, so, you know, Elisha wasn't worried at all. The reason was he was a seer and he could see into the spiritual realm. And we all know the story, right? Okay, and the servant's freaking out because if you're, if, you have to understand, especially if you're a Middle Eastern, you know, because I live, you know, I'm married to a Middle Eastern guy. So when they go to kill you, they don't just kill you, they make an example of you. So they kill you bad. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So, so his servant knew, like, they're not, they're not just going to get killed, they're going to get killed bad. Okay, that's like torture, suffering, you know, cruelty to the max. And so um, Elisha's not worried at all because he can see in the spiritual realm. He saw the angels and he saw the armies of angels, you know, you know, flooding the horizon. And he prayed a prayer that the Lord would open the eyes of his servant to see. And the Lord answered that prayer. And the servant, we know because he stopped freaking out. There was no more communication. It was over. It was done because he could see what the seer prophet could See, and many times, this is, what, this is what I believe I'm standing in front of you tonight. Um, I'm standing in front of you because I'm here to give you eyes to see. I'm here to put the eyes back on you. Now, if you'll have to steward it. What you do with it is, is on you. I can't, I can't take it from there. But I'm here to open your eyes by the anointing of God and, and put those eyes back on you, Okay? And so what I would like to do is I would like to pray for you, okay? And we'll just start this off. Let's get, get, get our eyes open, and then we'll just keep pressing into visions. We'll keep pressing into dreams and dream interpretation and understanding that language because that's, that's different. Um, it's its own, it's its own um, uh, wonderful heavenly, you know, challenge. Um, <clears throat> so let, let's, let's do that, okay? I want to I pray for you. Want to pray for you? Okay. Now, um, when I now I, I'm trying to think, what's the best way to do this? Because we have such a group. What do you what do you recommend? Is just in the seats, or have them stand by the seats, or up against the wall, around what, or a tunnel? Okay, um, that's fine. I plan to. What? How about why don't you just put them up all against the room, over the room? I can just walk around. I can come to them. Let's do that. Can we do that? Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing. You've got to receive this by faith. I will lay hands on you. You've got to receive this by faith. Okay? You may feel something. You may not feel something. It may really overcome you. It may not. That's not the point. The point is I'm getting this from God. Okay? I'm just going to be that conduit right now. And then the pictures are going to flow. Then you write it down. Okay? That's the first point of stewardship. Okay? All right. So let's uh, start there. And... Uh, so maybe help me to line them up.